Welcome to Talking Yoga with Joe, and thank you guys for tuning in to the podcast today. My guest is Stephen Willard, yoga teacher and funny guy down here in Charleston. He is known for bringing lots of humor and laughs in his classes and also along in this podcast. This was the first time that we met and we had a really great time sitting down talking about humor and yoga, among many other things. So often we think of yoga practice and meditation as very serious and sometimes our faces look serious too but it doesn't have to be and we get into the joy that humor brings and the actual practice and exercise of laughter yoga. We dive into some deep parts and Stephen and I talk about his recently published article online titled Me Too. It's about his sexual assaults in his childhood by an older family member. For him, he unfolds how forgiveness and closure is important, even coming out about this 40 years later. And I thank Stephen for that and also for coming on this episode as well and making me laugh and smile. I would like to also thank Office Evolution down here in Charleston, where this episode was recorded. We were at a co-working space that's located in a great central area in downtown. I'm happy, I'm happier with the quality of this podcast. And as I do more of these podcasts, I'm working to get better at doing them and get the quality of the sounds better each time, just based on my location. It's all a learning experience for me. And doing this, I thank you for joining me on this fun ride. So get comfortable, expect a fun time listening to the funny guy, smart ass, yoga teacher, Stephen Willard. both had similar childhood experiences on the first day of school like yeah. Willard and were you always like in the back too because it's oh, like the yeah, yeah. always yeah, yeah. same mm-hmm. that yeah. was like a thing June birthday so I never had like a school birthday party that was August so same <laughs> yeah. I was in the summer birthday group still a little bit of you know resentment around that yeah <laughs> until they did alpha, reverse alphabetical order and then I don't think I ever experienced that. Yeah, that experience. Mm-hmm. I've had that a couple of times. Yeah, so I was always in the back, but I also hit like puberty really early. Yeah. So like from I don't know sixth grade until high school, I was like always the tallest kid anyway. At what age would you say you think you started? <sighs> like probably 11, 12. Yeah. Like the voice started changing and <laughs> got tall. Like I had like a super growth spurt, and then it just kind of like leveled out. But. I, I don't know. I think it matched my old soul. <laughs> yeah, it's very like old soul as a age. child as well. Yeah, you think? <laughs> oh yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. yeah. So this is the first time I'm officially meeting you. I know. Nice to meet you. Yeah, likewise. And thank you for doing the podcast. Thank you for asking. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if you do remember, but um, it was a couple months ago mm-hmm. that I did take your class. Okay. So I don't know if you remember that, but it was cool. It was an awesome class. Oh, You're thank a, you. A really cool teacher. That's why. I, um, what me and my wife like took out of that class and we left there and we're just like damn Steven had the place cracking up <laughs> like on the floor laughter the whole yeah. time 
And that was something besides like the sequence and the yeah. art of really facilitating the class that we really took away from that. Oh, that's awesome. It's funny because I was just having this conversation with someone, <laughs> had a friend that was visiting me from uh, Los Angeles this past weekend and has never taken my class. Mm-hmm. And um, so he came to a couple of my classes and he was like, so that's interesting how you do that, like with the, the humor thing. And I'm like, well, yeah, because like, one, I feel like life's hard enough and like life is serious enough and like I really don't think people laugh like nearly as much because <laughs> like, they should. But also too with yoga, like sometimes I look around and I see like how serious people are getting in it and like, and I just like, I can relate just because I know what my internal dialogue is sometimes in practice, like in certain poses where it's easy for me to go into like beat myself up kind of mode of like, oh you suck because you can't get your ankle behind your head. Whereas if I just like say something off the cuff and you laugh for a moment, like that wall comes down for a second and it's like, okay, yeah, this is middle of the day. (laughs) My head's literally next to my ass. Why am I taking this so, like why am I letting my ego dictate so much of this? So much of the ego. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a lot. So that was one of the things I took note and I wanted to talk to you about was, uh, yeah, using, using comedy in the world, more specifically, right? Yeah. Yoga. Yeah. And um, so time-wise, historically, like, we're going through some pretty serious stuff, right? Politically. Yeah. Um, you could say, like, culturally, economically, and so mm. on, right? Would you agree? Oh, like, totally. And, and classes are packed. So, yeah. Which yeah. makes sense. I mean, I've seen it, like, a few times. Like, I've seen it, you know, post-9-11, uh, during the recession, and, like, now again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think that's an accident. But... Yeah, sure. People are looking for something. Yeah. You know. That is the peaks and valleys that like totally. To constantly go totally. So my first question I want to get started with is why? Why are you doing comedy in such a serious <laughs> time? What is wrong? What, this is the best time right. to do it. Otherwise, I mean, you know, if, if you, I don't know if you watch television or, at all. I like, I'm not a I huge television watcher, but, but I love like, satire and you know SNL and all these kind of things because like if you don't laugh at this can I say can I curse go for it (laughs) like if you don't laugh at this shit that's going on it it will drive you mad do you know what I mean and like I think I've always sort of had this uh, ability to to find humor in anything to make a joke out of anything Um, and yeah I mean that's the thing and it's so absurd what's going on like you know two years ago we never would have thought uh, that you know at the risk of insulting or alienating anyone that might be listening that by some odd chance is a Trump supporter um, or that whole ilk yeah I never thought I'd be nostalgic for George W. Bush like I remember when I thought Bush was the worst thing that had happened to this country and I and then you're like, oh, fuck, it's not. Like, we cried wolf too many times. Um, so, yeah, and I think that I'm not alone in that. And I, and I can remember teaching, uh, literally teaching the day after the election. And it was so weird, like, walking into the, uh, into the studio where I was teaching that day. Because it was a Wednesday, and I was going in to teach my noon class. And I always try to get there, like, at least half an hour before. Just to kind of, like, create space both in the room and, like, in myself. And so I walk in, and um, the manager of the studio was there, and I said, I don't know how to do this today. Like, I really don't know how to, like, go in there and, like, 
lighten the mood and make people feel better today because yeah. it literally did feel like wow this feels like the beginning of the end and um and she was like you just just go in and teach like just do it just do it and like people that were walking in uh that class I have a lot of regulars in that class and people were just walking in like with so much heaviness like on them and red eyes and on the brink of tears and and I don't think it was a, like it was a very serious class like I've had a few uh, I've taught a few classes after a few like major events uh, where I have been like yeah I'm not gonna be funny today just so you know <laughs> like, you we're just gonna do this I actually do attention. yeah because it's like you know if something makes you laugh that's awesome but there's a pretty good chance that nothing funny is gonna come out of me today and um, and interesting that you kind of like set that out um, that truth vocally before mm-hmm yeah. Yeah, because I think I've I've gotten to this place um, as a teacher and just in my life of where. Did you say it's expected? Oh yeah, yeah, and sometimes that kind of. <laughs> it kind of annoys me sometimes. Like, if someone comes in and says like, "Oh, I really need a laugh today," I'm like, "Yeah, okay, well, I'm not your dancing monkey." Yeah. Like, yeah, it's probably I'm probably going to say something funny. Like, I don't have like. Material prepared. Like, and I'm I think that's what makes that class, oh, that one I was at, really yeah. funny. Is that you? You were just going off the I, top. It's just total stream of consciousness. I, you know, I was telling someone uh, a few weeks ago, like you know, I realized like at a certain age that, um, and we we might touch on this uh, later as when we talk about like how I started teaching and all this. But like I realized at a rather young age that my uh, my looks were not going to be my currency. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I wasn't going to be the guy who was going to get by, <laughs> like all my looks. Like I wasn't, you know. So I'm like, oh, I guess I better start developing a personality. So so I've always been a smart ass. I've always been sarcastic. I've always been irreverent. Um, and I remember when I started teaching, like I really uh, held that back a lot like when I first started teaching and keeping in mind that when I started teaching in Charleston this was like I don't know 12 years ago or something maybe yeah and you know there were only like maybe two or three studios in town at the time and the yoga scene in Charleston was very serious like everyone was very like you know <laughs> like I mean they meant business and I can remember like looking around and be like wow I'm not like any of these people like I don't look like these people I don't speak like these people so when I started teaching um, I was trying to be those people so I would you know I put on a nice like yoga voice and <laughs> and say all the things you know and I had like a decent turnout I'd have like you know six seven people showing up and then one day, I, I think this is back in the days when we used to have to burn CDs <laughs> for <Right>. music, <laughs> just a notch above like a turntable. And like something was going on with the stereo and I, I can't remember what I said, but I said something and like the people in the room laughed and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So I can kind of, so like the next class I was like, okay, I'm gonna let a little bit more of myself in. And then like it kind of just kept going from there. And then suddenly, like, I went from, like, having seven people to, like, 20, 25, whatever. Awesome. And it took me a long time to realize it was like, oh, I'm relatable now. Like, I'm saying the things they say, and I 
the way I'm talking to you now is exactly how I, I talk in class, both the quality of my voice and the things I say. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just, for me, it was very organic. Yeah. Like it was never like a gimmick or a bit. And I think yoga is such an authentic practice, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of shows you exactly who you are. Completely. And flexible, right? Well, it's just, te- it's showing you that, right? It's totally. So would you find, would you say that like, Growing as a teacher, are you becoming now more your authentic, teaching more your authentic self? Oh, yeah, uh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I think within, um, like I had a, a I, I, I moved to Atlanta several years ago to try to uh, open a studio with like a now, uh, now ex uh, partner. Um, that's probably a whole other podcast. <laughs> but um, when I came back, I was, but I was also for a good chunk of that time. I was commuting between Atlanta and Charleston. Like I was teaching in Atlanta like during the week and teaching in Charleston on the weekends. But when I, uh, yeah, it was not fun. Um, But when I moved back, like I was in a very like, like a truly a dark space. Like, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I was depressed and I had social anxiety and I was just very angry and I would show up and teach. Like I would show up pissed I would show up at class pissed. I would teach the class pissed. I was pissed if people showed up. I was pissed if people didn't show up. Like, I was just, it was an angry, angry period. And, uh, and a very dark period. And, um, and I was very fortunate that I had friends who saw, like, like, this isn't you. And were able to, like, get me out of that. But I was always very honest about where I was like in my life of like, okay, so this is going on and like, you know, uh, or aware of it. I was very aware of it, but if, but I would also sometimes share like in class, like kind of what was going on with me sort of internally. And I think, and that was like five or six years ago, maybe. And I think that since that point, yeah, I, I show up only like as myself. Like I, where whatever city it is, whatever studio it is, it's like, yeah, this is it. Not I know not everyone's gonna dig it or dig me. That's fine, um, and I know that others are. And I feel like you know, I feel like you know, you as a teacher, um, you get the students you're supposed to get. You know, and like if if they don't come to you, they're not your students. And if they don't, you know, if somehow you don't resonate with them or you know, they think you're too much of this or too little of that, then okay, yeah, it's not it's not the fit. Um, and I'm okay with that. Like, yeah, I don't have to be like the prettiest girl in the room anymore. <laughs> yeah, once you especially get past that, mm-hmm. because I think the authenticity practice is one of the more challenging ones. Yeah, and I think as a teacher, like if you can demonstrate uh, authenticity and vulnerability, um, I think that's so much more valuable than teaching someone to put their ankle behind their head. And I think that that's also where, I, where I've kind of started to sort of find my calling as a teacher is that, um, you know, for me, like I discovered yoga as a, like just as a tool to make things easier, like on a physical level. I always say yoga is sort of my gateway drug. And then I started opening up to these other avenues and I realized like, wow, when I utilize a lot of these practices, my life goes easier. Like, or, and I'm, I'm less reactive. I'm, 
you know, I carry myself lighter, I carry myself with more ease, like physically, mentally, emotionally. And so those have been the tools that I try to teach as a teacher. So I don't teach what I call a lot of party poses on a physical level. I think what I teach, I, I do a lot of functional stuff because I know as I'm becoming you know, a man of a certain age, um, it's more important to me to be able to walk up a flight of stairs and not get winded or right. pick something up out of the bed and not... And that per- practice works well. And that right? works well. What would you consider a party pose? What's an example? Um, you know, like maybe pinch my arasana or, uh, you know, most... I mean, a lot of inversions, right. a lot of arm balance. A lot of people want to go upside down. A lot of people want to go upside down, and they're great things to do at a party, you know, when you've had a few drinks. and like, Sorry. hey, guys, look what I can do. Party poses. Uh, party poses. Uh, and I rarely teach inversions anymore because, uh, like, I looked around one day, and I saw, like, 80% of the people in the room shouldn't be in that pose. And, like, and, they, and a lot of times, and you probably experienced this as a teacher as well, I mean, you can offer, like, okay, if this is hurting, maybe try, and, and it's the person you're talking to is like, oh, well, they're not talking to me, and they just continue to sink, like, in their shoulders, and you see their neck, like, pressing into the floor, so just one day, I was like, okay, I'm not teaching it anymore, Yeah. because most of my classes are an hour, and I don't feel like I have enough time to really get you safely in, maintain it, and come out of it. I'm like, okay, well, I just we just won't do that in this class then. Yeah. And when I teach authenticity and, like, practices of yoga that really do work, I explain this to people the same. Like, my personal practice mm-hmm. is not fancy. Like, At it's all. very classical. <laughs> mine and I say, too. like, you know, if I do want to work on a newer party pose, mm-hmm. like, for example, let's say I do want to work on, like, a handstand, which yeah. I can, cool I want to get there that's great but I need to do my practical classical e- stuff first exactly to that. exactly yeah my home practice which is probably 90% of my practice like it's I'm at this point I mean I'm incredibly grateful and blessed that I'm like at this stage in my life where I'm doing exactly what I want to do like I, I, I want to teach full-time and so I'm very fortunate that I'm in, able to do that now but at the same time, it's rare for me to take a class in a studio because most of the time I'm bouncing between studios and and like right now, my time management hasn't been the best. I have like one like actual full day off a week and it's kind of like, yeah, I'm not going to do the busman's holiday. So on a Monday, you are not going to see me in a yoga class. <laughs> You're not going to see me in a yoga studio. But so most of my uh, my practices at home, and I and I've noticed that it's become this hodgepodge of like Ashtanga, and you know some Vinyasa, some Yen, a touch of Kundalini. Like it's become this weird yoga potpourri, but it works for me because I'm like, okay, yeah, this keeps my hips open, this keeps my upper body strong. And it's rare that I teach the sequences that I do at home. <laughs> yeah, because to me it's like it, it seems so disjointed that I think people would be like, what the? <laughs> yeah. Would you say that that personal practice is like uh, kind of in the moment and changes? Like completely. The way you day completely. Day? Yeah. Totally. Um, and, it's, and it's also, it's very seasonal for me. Like, you know, we're, we're very fortunate in Charleston that, you know, we don't have like harsh winters. 
but like I find like if, if it may look that way, it may look that way. <laughs> but I find like if it's if it's colder, I tend to do a lot softer stuff. Like I'm like. I'm just gonna roll around for a minute, do like a ten minute pigeon, like a twist, shavasana. Whereas in like warmer weather, I'm like, yeah, let's flow, let's do all the balance poses. So yeah, it's 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 definitely. Uh, I think that's why uh, um, things like the actual Ashtanga primary series or the or the Bikram, Bikram sequence sequence uh, have always been so challenging for me because they're so like set that like I can do them two or three days and by like that fourth day I'm like okay yeah I gotta have (laughs) we gotta do pigeon or (laughs) something revolve half moon that Um, that practice a lot of involved is that is the challenging part yeah a little bit mundane of this right yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. and I'm also a Gemini (laughs) (laughs) yeah a lot of our work you know because both are like teachers moving Mm -hmm. around and teaching yeah is um Fortunately, like mm-hmm. you said, not mundane, right? It's not that like sitting uh, in the office like yeah. Oh my like, god, I, I don't know. I, and I've done that. Like uh, I've had periods in my life where I've like had like the you know the office nine to five. <laughs> so before I started, uh, before I did my yoga teacher training, um, I worked for the Department of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wish everyone could see my face right now. I know. I know. <laughs> Where was this? This was in Charleston. Okay. And I did that for like seven or eight years. And like I had a very loose yoga practice uh, when I started working there. And um, (laughs) it's a job where it's very hard to be happy if you've ever, you know, in case you've ever been to the DMV. Um, I think everyone, as soon as they walk in, yeah, that energy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because the people you're helping, you know, they've waited, you know, hours. Yeah. They've taken their whole day to do this. So but weirdly, I was a lot like this <laughs> at the DMV, but with cleaner language. Um, but so I was so stressed, like working there, because one, it was like you know, it was Monday through Friday, and it was like eight to you know whatever, and um, so I started kind of developing like not healthy coping mechanisms of like very sedentary like overeating blah 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 and so I was like oh I should really get back into yoga like I did that for a long time and I really enjoyed it so I started practicing again and then then there was this thing of where oh I think I might want to teach and then I like signed up for you know my my certification course and then I had finished uh, my course and so I was working you know DMV Monday through Friday and I was teaching like a yoga class on Saturday morning and I think one night during the week and then I just had this moment of where I was like okay I feel like this is maybe more of what I'm supposed to be doing and so I quit that job <laughs> and then started teaching yoga and doing some other stuff but um, I, I can say you know there are, there are certainly days where I go to teach where I'm just kind of like oh, I just kind of want to be on the couch or whatever but I never, as a teacher, like in the last, you know, almost year now that I've just been teaching exclusively, I've never had a morning where I've woke up and like, oh, shit, I don't want to go. Like, it's just, I just haven't. And it's fantastic. And I think it's, and I, and I speak to this sometimes in my classes and we're like, you know, I think it's so important to, once you've kind of identified what you're, and it's going to sound way more esoteric and woo-woo-y than I intend but I think once once you identify what your calling is like once you know that thing which I think is rare for a lot of people 
um, once you know what you are called to do, like what your task in this world is, uh, and you actually lean into it, one, I think the universe does everything to conspire with you and make that happen and support you. If you're open to if it. If you're yeah. open to it. And, and secondly, yeah, you don't feel like you're working. You know, I mean, a lot of work goes into my class, but it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> I, I agree. I think it's still work if mm-hmm. you want to like put the content to label on it. Mm-hmm. Like it is how we're making our money, but it's such an amazing feeling to be able to do that. I yeah. Agree. Yeah. So I, I was wonder and use that story of you at the DMV as an example, you know, that need that service in the world. You know, is there a person who maybe at a certain period of their life, you know, you've done this yourself, mm-hmm. where, you know, that was what they're supposed to do, kind of that paperwork, that systematical yeah. contribution to the world. Yeah. And then are they happy there? Can they stay there and then do something else? Yeah. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And, and it's interesting because, um, so when I, when I first went to work uh, at the Department of Motor Vehicles, Um, uh, I had been back in Charleston for like maybe a brief time like I you know I spent some time in New York and Denver and just kind of like wanderlust and I had always worked in like record stores and music venues like that was my yeah that was my did you work in any in New York? I did I worked at a couple of towers I worked at that tower in uh, Times Square for like a hot minute but I was also smoking a lot of weed then, and so I didn't. <laughs> I might have missed a shift or two. Did you know the, well, do you know Yonkers? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I'm from Yonkers. Oh, okay. So I was and uh, there was the Tower Records. Yeah. I missed yeah. the Tower Records. Yeah. I have to tell you. Even now, when I go back to New York, I'm like, and I missed the Virgin Mega store. But anyway, when, so when I moved back to Charleston, I was like, okay. And I was approaching 30, and um, I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to get, like, a grown-up job. And it was also my first lesson in, like, be very specific in what you want. <laughs> like, don't just say, I need a grown-up job, because you will get one. Um, the universe. The universe really kind of wants specificity. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was my first job where I went in and wasn't out, like, as a gay man right away. Like, I got there, and, like, my first day, I was like, oh... I don't think this is cool. <laughs> like if I'm like out, and um, and so that lasted for a couple of years, and like I never, and but I always made this agreement with myself of where I was like, okay, I'm not going to be out at work, but I'm also not going to lie. Like if someone said, you know, asked me if I had a girlfriend or something, I was not going to make up a girlfriend. <laughs> like or, or this is my roommate or whatever. So I said, oh, so I made the agreement with myself. If someone ever asked me point blank. I'll be honest. And sure enough, uh, someone did, yeah, so someone did ask and I was honest. But anyway, uh, it was interesting in my experience there, like in talking to people, no, people are not happy there. And, and I don't think people saw it as a opportunity to be of service. Like it was a job, it was a paycheck, it was benefits. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with if that's your, your MO. But like that was just never, like mine, like mine has always been like, I just, I want to be happy. Like I want to enjoy what I do. (laughs) So that's always been more of an, um, motivator for me. Yeah. And that's awesome. Now you feel Mm -hmm. like you're at that 
in your life right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, I wouldn't mind a few extra dollars, but... <laughs> <laughs> the young industry, we're getting there. We're getting there, yeah. but, uh, yeah. Well, speaking of the yoga, you started talking a little about your training, uh-huh. um, but can you go a little, talk into a little bit about that, but also... A little before, what led to you going into teacher training? How did you discover yoga? Um, so I started doing like I had started doing it seriously. I had kind of dabbled in it uh, as a kid, actually, like as a like preteen and a little bit as a teenager. Through like which mediums? Uh, like VHS yeah, tapes. I love hearing that. Yeah. I, you, okay. This will this will probably make you laugh. And also, like if if I hadn't just told that story about being out, would totally confirm any suspicions that people might have of like. I think this guy might be gay. Uh, my very first yoga teacher was Raquel Welch <laughs> because she had had a, a yoga book and I, had, I was fascinated by like all the shapes and like all the sort of contortions that she was in, which was the Bikram sequence, oh, really? by the way. Okay. Uh, yeah, he sued her over it. And I'm like, that's a whole thing you should Google sometime. Like yeah. Bikram suing Raquel Welch, which I think is hilarious. Like, yeah. I would love to have seen like that docket. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Bikram just... Chowdhury v. Raquel Welch. Uh, so this was like, what was this, like mid, late 80s, I guess. Um, so then I'd saved up my money and she had the tape. Like it was the 90 minute practice on tape. So I did that for a while. And then I kind of like stopped. And then like mid 90s, I picked it up again um, uh, at Jiva Mukti uh, when they were on, um, God, I guess that was Lafayette Street then. And um, so I, I did it there for a while. And then when I moved back to Charleston, I you know, picked it up again. And I had been you know, pretty serious with my practice for a few years, like doing, you know, practicing like three or four days a week. Right, and not teaching. Not teaching, yeah. uh, but like teaching like friends on the side kind of thing. Like I didn't know I was teaching, but I totally was teaching. Not legally. Right, not, not <laughs> legally, not per <laughs> yoga <Yes>. alliance. Um, <laughs> Whole other thing, but uh, so yeah, so then I had talked to Tracy that owns Holy Cow Yoga in Charleston, and um, yeah, and that was the only gig in town that was that had a teacher training program at the time. And a little bit like a, the history of yoga in Charleston, and you can talk a little bit about yeah. this because you have you're, you're at Holy Cow, but mm-hmm. they were one of the first, first yeah. and oldest. oldest. I think uh, I was talking to someone about this uh, recently. I believe, and I could be off by like maybe a year, but I think 2018 will be 20 years, awesome. which is pretty unheard of for a yoga studio anywhere. But I also think it's a huge testament to Charleston of where, like I said, when I first started, and I've been teaching there for, oh God, I think, coming up on 12 years. Um, and so I've seen like, you know, one studio, two studios, and I mean, we're probably at like 20 studios now, maybe, or close to it. I mean, it's, yeah. But, um, so I talked to her, I said, you know, I think I want to do this, but I don't know that I ever want to teach. Like, I just want to know more like for myself. And so then it took me a year to actually commit <laughs> and do the, uh, the program. And uh, so I did it, and um, I think there were like 12 people maybe in my program, and uh, me and one of my really close friends, still one of my closest friends, Angela, uh, who's also a very amazing teacher in her own right, uh, she and I were in the course together, and uh, we were the only two at the end to get jobs 
at the studio with classes. <laughs> like, it was offered to you. Yeah, like awesome. we we graduated on Sunday and then we both got calls on Monday like, hey, do you want to do, like, it was like, do you want to assist in this class on Saturday morning? And I was like, well, sure. And so I assisted um, a teacher, TD, who was a very popular teacher there. And then, so I assisted him. And then uh, the next week I was, Tracy's like, okay, so you're going to teach it this week and TD's going to assist you. I didn't realize I was, it was her way of auditioning me. Oh yeah. <laughs> I probably would have been a lot more nervous if I had known that. So I did that, and then like the next day she's like, okay, well do you want that class? And I'm like, oh shit, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then it took me like a year to realize like, I'm a yoga teacher. <laughs> and, uh, and it took me about that long, like I remember teaching one day of like, I know the words that are coming out of my mouth. Like I understand what I'm doing here. Um, so you went into it very quickly. Very quickly, yeah. I mean literally, and, and this is the only thing, like I said earlier, I'm a Gemini, I have a very short attention span, typically, and I've done every fitness trend, like, ever. I briefly taught step aerobics. <laughs> like, so you were teaching uh, wellness and fitness before? Yeah. Too? I don't know about how much about the wellness. It was really more about, <laughs> this will make your ass look great. <laughs> it was sure. very little about being healthy back in those days. But um, but yoga as both a practice and as a profession have been the longest things I've ever done. I have stu- I have been committed to these longer than anything ever. Yeah. Ever in my life. And that's interesting. Going into the teacher training, you kind of just wanted. Yeah, I was like, and... okay, I'll learn how to not rip my hamstring and Paschimottanasana. <laughs> Didn't expect that I would teach others to not rip their hamstrings in Paschimottanasana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so historically in Charleston, yeah. um, having Holy Cow there, I always thought that was really cool and interesting too. And for people that need a, a geographical like outline of Charleston, like it's it's in the outside area of downtown, which is always also an interesting yeah. part. It's you know, it's sort of it's like it could not have been ordained better. Like, I mean that location is a gem because it pulls from downtown, it pulls from the beach, it pulls from, you know, West Ashley, like, it, like, it's literally, like, this hub, and even everything that's around it now, like, I can remember, like, you know, that used to be a Piggly Wiggly <laughs> across from it, now it's a, the Earth Fair, the Earth Fair. Right. and uh, there used to be, like, a clothing store, and, like, it's, it's so interesting, like, the stuff that's there now, like, it's almost like a little, like, like a little wellness commune, like kind of right in the middle of Charleston. Slowly. Slowly. Yeah. Oh, think, totally. I think we're seeing that a lot, like on a greater, greater scale. Yeah, but I'll tell you this though, Joe. It's like when I go out of town, like, like even I go to Los Angeles like two or three times a year uh, to study, and like I go there, and I can't tell you how hard it is to find a yoga class, like at a time that works for me necessarily. Like where it's like, oh, it's noon. I want to go take a yoga class. It's like, you know, looking at like five or six different <laughs> locations and like... And that's just one block. Yeah. yeah. And then like in Charleston though, you could literally take a yoga class any day, any time of day, any part of town. It's flexible. It's... It could, yeah. Yeah. And it's... And I'm so curious to see if this starts to like sort of spill over into other sort of uh, areas of Charleston. 
like because my uh, friend that was visiting me was visiting me from uh, Los Angeles and one had never been to Charleston but also had never been to the south mm. and uh, so we were out and about like all weekend and he's like wow y'all really eat and drink a lot in Charleston <laughs> and I was like oh we kind of do yeah. and um, so it's going to be interesting to see like if because I know all these places that I go and that I teach have very respectable numbers so there's definitely this um, this need this desire for this stuff that we're teaching and I'm just curious to see how that starts to kind of go into the mainstream a little bit you know what I mean I mean, the fact that you're doing stuff in schools in Charleston blows my mind. Like, I went to school in Charleston, like, as a kid. <laughs> Can't imagine there ever having been, like, a mindfulness program. Sure. Yeah, so that that's here is huge. Even for myself in New York, you know, we never had any program like this. Yeah. And I, I, I try and, and teach that, tell that to the kids mm-hmm. that, you know, when I was their age... Since it seemed like that long ago, thirty, yeah. And um, but I can remember, and just having that that tool of like focusing on the breath. It's simple, right? Yeah. And it's just if we can empower um, our students, empower children, empower mm-hmm. our communities, you know, totally we can make differences. Well, and it goes back to you know how we started by by talking about sort of like the the political climate. You know, I mean, I definitely get angry. <laughs> A lot, <laughs> a lot more than I would like. Um, that shifts gears from the comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess you need both, right? You need, yeah. I, I think every great comedian that's out there, they have a little bit of that anger because, and there's a quote in here somewhere, but, and I forget it, but you know, comedy is kind of like seeing the world mm-hmm. through your eyes and kind of seeing what's wrong with it in a way. Yeah. And kind of just shining, shine light. So there is like a little bit of like a, a negative or a, an anger that pushes that. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, totally. And and I mean, I, you know, I probably post way more, um, I probably post way more political stuff, like, on my social media than I, I probably would like. Um, I didn't see that many when uh, no? I was talking okay. last Maybe that's, <laughs> good to know. <laughs> um, um, by the way, I like your uh, Photoshop, which I wasn't getting into. Oh, okay, yeah, we totally will. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I also know that as a teacher, I know, and a practitioner, I know that my getting angry at, at Trump and Roy Moore and all this other shit that's going around, my anger's not gonna do anything to change any of this stuff. Like, it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna change anyone's view. Only part I can do is my side of the fence. Like, and so then I'm like, okay, yeah, you just need to sit with yourself get your shit straight (laughs) because that's what you know ultimately all of this is just a mirror of our collective thoughts and experiences all this stuff we're seeing playing out like on this world stage is stuff that's playing out within us either with ourselves with our families with our neighbors like we're just seeing this like and and this really is an opportunity like a great learning and teaching opportunity like just for civilization I think Again, not trying to get too woo-woo-y or esoteric, but, you know, these are great mirrors that we're looking at. Like, I think we had, like, this period of time where we are like, oh, everything's great. You know, we're all equal now, and kumbaya. And then we have this sort of wave that comes through of where we have, 
you know, these people in positions of power saying, oh, no, it's okay to be racist against this group or, you know, to defile someone because of this religion or to, you know, breach a woman's body or whatever. Like, we're getting these messages of like, oh, this is okay. When we know it's not, but there's this, I think there's this dialogue in people that do still think that that's okay. And I think, you know, this is good that all of this is coming to light because all this stuff will start to kind of crack and break down and new shit builds up out of it. So I also see that it's totally necessary, (laughs) but, and I know that growth is messy and growth is uncomfortable. And I think that that's what we're in is like this sort of this messy, uncomfortable place. Totally. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to get so... (laughs) And that's why I said, I think needing comedy, needing yoga Mm -hmm. now, is is more important than ever in history. Completely. Yeah. Completely. That's why I kind of play the devil's advocate. I'm just like, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, So I want to get into a little bit of like, yeah, using comedy and stuff in the world. Yeah. Have you ever heard of uh, laughter yoga? (laughs) <laughs> not only have I heard of it, I was asked to leave it once because I it? because I could not stop laughing, which I thought was really ironic. Like in that in that moment. Yeah, that like moment. okay, if you can't collect yourself, you're gonna need to step outside. I'm like, <laughs> you're asking me to leave laughing yoga because I can't stop laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I've definitely been in those classes before. <laughs> I'm just giggling. Right. <laughs> you know, as long as it's not javasana, that's fine yeah. for me. But yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, so um, when I first started getting to yoga, I was just like drawn into it really quickly as well. And it was, I remember watching um, a couple of documentaries uh-huh. early on, just kind of getting more into the history. And I saw something about laughter yoga and it, I was pretty interested in it. And it's by, um, it all stems back from um, uh, a lot of it. This one guy, Dr. Katara, I think, K A T A R I A. And um, when I started following him, like a lot of his work was, he was going all over the world and it was really interesting how he was doing all this practice and Mm -hmm. exercises. Um, So my teacher training, um, I got to meet people from all over and um, I met this one woman, her name was uh, Susan Welch, she's from Australia. Uh And uh, she was explaining her story with laughter yoga because she taught it for a number of years. She got certified in it and actually got um, Dr. Katara to come to, to Australia oh. and like lead a lot of the oh, wow. classes and yeah. bringing it over there. Um, and I remember talking to her in our teacher training during that time. And um, when she was going through her certification, she was at a time where uh, she was going through like a lot of personal yeah. family issues. Like her mom I, had just recently passed. Uh-huh. and. She said, like a couple of days later, she was like on a plane to go to India to go get certified in, in laughter. Oh wow, you know, wow, that's awesome! You know, and yeah. just how powerful hearing that, having that yeah. talk with her. Um, so I wanted to bring that up because I think, yeah, laughter and yoga is a whole is is a great thing. She actually, um, she now she still doesn't. She she leads Growing Nepal, which is um, an organization they do like. Um, sustainable food solutions mm. business solutions in the okay home. oh so, wow shout out to Susan yeah she's uh, listening but her story really inspired me yeah getting into the laughter yoga so I wanted to know if you had heard yeah and um, I and where I did it was um, are you familiar familiar with Yogaville in Virginia yeah the Satchitananda mm-hmm. Ashram 
So that's where I did it. I, there was a weekend of it, and um, uh, oh, the teacher's name's escaping me. Older and way too many substances. But um, we were laying in like a circle on the floor, and so like you had your head on someone's belly, and someone had their head on your belly. Right. And you know, you start with the fake. And you're in a group. Yeah, you're and you start with like the fake laughter, right? And then of course that builds into like real laughter. And then as people are starting to like kind of settle down, like the thing that just kind of kept making me laugh was that like the person whose stomach my head was on would laugh and like I, my head would kind of like, you know, bounce. And that would be, I thought that was funny. And I would start to laugh. And then the person who was on me, like I would feel their head and I just could not stop. I literally could not stop laughing. Like it would start to settle down, like everyone had stopped. And then I would just kind of like, <laughs> like ride this wave back up <laughs> it's such a ripple effect yeah and then other, and so the guy finally like came, came over and like knelt down and like put his hand on my like shoulder and I opened my eyes and he's like um, if you can't uh, collect yourself I'm going to need you to go outside until you can <laughs> and I said so you want me to go outside until I stop laughing and he's like yeah and I was like okay well I don't think I have to now because that's you pretty much killed my buzz <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So that was my only formal experience. In I don't it. understand. This was during the laughter. Yes. Yeah. So why would he have asked you to leave? I because I, I guess he wanted. He was ready to go on to his next uh, thing, and I'm yeah. The laughing is the, the next. Thing. The laughing. Is, the, the laughing is the thing. Yeah. But, I don't know how he killed that buzz. I know. It kind of makes me sad. I know, I, and I've not forgotten it. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. I've forgotten his name, but not, not the offense. It's not worth <laughs> No. But that's one of the exercises. Yeah, we're laying down the back. Mm-hmm. And there's other ones, if you remember, like, yeah. the empty water where you can spill on yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, uh, I think you said it best, where it's, it's silly. I think it starts silly. Yeah. Right? You do. There's, yeah. like, a little bit of a force that you need to mm-hmm. get over that, that mm-hmm. ego. And then something natural that just happens. Well, and you know, Joe, I see it sometimes too when I, <laughs> when I teach, uh, like I, I think sometimes people show up that don't know, <laughs> that don't know what's about to happen. Um, particularly, I have one class uh, that's, I, I guess it's kind of like my benchmark class, at, um, uh, the Buster Austin class that I've, I've taught for like 10 years now, I guess, that started completely like as a fluke was supposed to be like a one-time thing. Which and, day is this? Uh, this is Sundays. Sundays? Uh, yeah. This is the one that uh, I always promote with the Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, your, your photo <laughs> bomb My photo face. bomb, I think. But, uh, but that one, like, uh, has kind of, like, sort of grown into this thing of where the, the intention of that class is literally just to be a fun loud sweaty experience like it's not there's no part of it that's supposed to be like real heady and serious I mean there have been a couple of occasions where I've taught and kind of like weave stuff in but anyway like so that one's supposed to be and I like I see sometimes people that just kind of show up to it for the first time and they don't quite know what to make of like the stuff I say or the references I make and other people are just like oh and they're like the hell is this but the thing about it like going back to the beginning of our conversation when you when you laugh or when if I make you laugh like I see like this 
softness come over you, right? So like a lot of times as teachers, like like I said, we, you know, we're teaching pretty vigorous stuff for like most part, really. You know, if I'm teaching an hour class, there's a pretty good chance that like 45 minutes of that might be physically unpleasant, <laughs> like might be physically challenging. And I think, you know, a lot of times with people, when they get sort of challenged in this way, you see like their shoulders start to write up or their chest starts to constrict and like their jaw starts to clench and the brow starts to furrow. Sure. So when I see this happening, like that's generally when I'm going to say something. And then like when you laugh at what I say, if you laugh at what I say, not everything I say is funny, but if you laugh at what I say, yeah, like you just now, like your shoulders drop down. Like your jaw eases, your your eye, like there's a softness that comes over you, and like for me, that's part of the physical magic of yoga is that like we're doing these movements where our muscles are contracted and you know and engaged, but at the same time, when we're in this state of contraction, we're also trying to find some degree of softness in that. Like we're not trying to create more tension. In our bodies, we're trying to create more space, more openness, and so sometimes that laughter, like if I can make you laugh and you open that door up a little bit, then I can get in there and just really like, okay, now drop these shoulders and open up your heart and open up your hips. Mm. Yeah. So that totally makes sense. Oh, to good. Me at least, right? Because yeah, I totally just pulled it out my ass. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first time. Ever, yeah, you are more relaxed when you are like uh -huh. in a state of joy. Or yeah. You just yeah. realize that. Uh, or it's coming out. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot of yeah. people talking yoga. Yeah. Discovering that laughter, it really does. Right. Work I mean, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. I think, um, like, I've I've had other teachers have conversations with me and uh, have said. Uh, that I use uh, humor as a diversion, like that I'm trying to divert attention away from something. And and that's my response to that, is like, no, actually I'm trying to help you sink more into your attention right. on that. And, and I think, you know, a lot of times too, you know, a lot of classes that I teach are like in the middle of the day, like I know that a lot of people are coming like on their lunch hour, and, and you know this, like a lot of your students are doing their to-do list. Like you've got them in Vrikshasana, and they're in their to-do list of like, okay, when I leave here, I've gotta go Whole Foods, and then like, oh, I gotta go put gas in my car. Like, and I'm trying to get you, I'm trying to get you to experience your life in this hour. Not what you have to do like at five o'clock, or what you have to do Christmas Eve. I want you to live your life right now. I want you to experience this right now. Like, what do you feel like in this pose today? Not what it felt like yesterday, not what it felt like when you first started practicing 10 years ago, not when you were in your 20s, thinner, fitter, whatever. Like, what does it feel like now? Because that's it. Like, that's all you got. Mm. Do you feel like that's your job when you're teaching? Yeah. Yeah. To do that. And oddly, it's like the toughest thing for me in my own practice. Like, yeah. you know, finding that space to be present. Finding that space to be present and to not compare my experience to my an older experience of mine. I think part of that is okay. Yeah. Because then we kind of show where we came from. Well, yeah, 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 too, for right? sure. And, and I mean, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm in a much more uh, accepting place of myself now. 
<laughs> some people would probably say too accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was so happy when dad bods became a thing because I was like, oh yay! <laughs> like, I I that. Yeah. I felt like um, because like I I you know I have a I have a history of uh, you know in my twenties uh, especially of um, being very like physically obsessed and you know eating disorders and you know extreme workouts and like crazy body image issues you know it's that thing of like when you well probably not you because I don't think you've ever felt like you were fat but like I was a fat kid and then you know I've been up and down ever since and I'll look at pictures of myself and I'm like like when I was say 22 when I thought I was fat and I look at that picture I'm like I was so cute like why didn't I see that then and so now I'm in this place of where I'm like trying to see that now of where like yeah could I lose some pounds for sure am I willing to give up what I need to give up to lose those pounds not really like I'm never going to not have chips and salsa I'm never going to not have the margarita uh you know am I willing to do what I would need to do like yeah no I'm probably never you're never going to see me in CrossFit (laughs) you're not going to see I used to make the joke that I would only run if I was being chased and then, like, two years ago, I was like, yeah, I don't know that I'll do it then. Like, I'll just be like, okay, this is a clearly how it's supposed to go. No fight or fight. No, I'm like, yeah, this is clearly how it's supposed to end. Just a yogi, just die. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something's going to chase me, and I'm just going to be like, okay. I'm like, which is, like, okay, so I get killed by this bear. Yeah. Which oh. is weird, because I don't go outside, so it, that I would probably die by a bear attack is also yeah. rather... <laughs> there once was a yogi. I do go to a lot of bear bars, but... Yeah. There once was a yogi, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who refused to run and therefore was caught. <laughs> I like that. Right. Yeah. You can tell my story after I'm gone, Joe. I saw a photo of you um, at a very early age. You're a little baby. So I don't oh, know what you're talking about. You're yeah. in that photo. You're I was cute. cute. I was yeah. adorable. You as had a this baby. nice cute outfit. I know. That was a hot, that was a nice little jumper. I would, yeah. I would totally wear that jumper now. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I was a cute kid. Yeah. <laughs> Something you um, also teach, uh, Himsa, mm. my favorite. Um, the first yama. Yeah. Right, in the sutras and Ashtanga yoga. Uh-huh. You had it in your bio. So non-harming, right? Doing no harm. Try. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know that I've always been great at that. Like, if I think about it a lot, I could probably see a lot of ways where I've, I've harmed either with words or, or actions or whatever. Like, I think a lot of times, we yogis especially, we tend to only think of this as sort of like a human v. animal issue. But I think a lot of times, most of our harming is done to ourselves or those closest to us because we can't harm ourselves or something. But, um, but yeah, that's... That's my jam. Yeah. Uh, that's a great sutra, you know, if you're looking at trying to really be your authentic yeah. self and being able to really to self-care through mm-hmm. laughter, through yoga, through yeah. so many things, well, taking I, care of yourself. Yeah, and I do think that, like, if, if, if we can even just practice that towards ourselves, you know, I think Marianne Williamson has this great quote, because I'm, I'm a student of Course in Miracles and a teacher of Course in Miracles, but like I, I saw her in an interview of where uh, she says, um, you know, once you know how to, once you know how to change a heart, 
particularly your own heart, you know how to change the world. And and like I was saying earlier, like of, of all this craziness that's going on, mirroring us, I think that so many people, and I actually just wrote about this uh, like in the last week or so, and just uh, it just went live like yesterday. Um, I think so many people carry so much pain and shame and they don't know how to not. They don't know how to move through that. Um, so then, you know, think, I mean, think about it, like misery loves company. That became a thing for a reason. Because if I'm miserable and you're happy, well, I'm jealous of you being happy, so I want you to be miserable too. So I'm gonna be as big of a dick to you as I can because I'm being a huge dick to myself day in, day out. Um, but if, if you can find that, like even just one tool that makes you not do that to yourself, even if it's just for one hour a day, like that seed gets planted, and you know this, probably as a yoga practitioner as much as a teacher, like once you start like watering that seed, those roots start to travel through other parts of your life and you, you stop doing or carrying stories or replaying thoughts or whatever that don't serve you anymore. And so that starts to happen to you. Then you start to do that less to people around you, like maybe in your house, maybe at your job, whatever. So that's just really the thing of like, you know, heal your stuff and then you help heal the world. Yeah, that path is so fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah, and it goes back to yoga just being that gateway drug. The gateway drug, man. I love that. It goes back to that. Yeah, and you, um, you mentioned you wrote an article recently. Uh-huh. Was this the one for BA... BA? Bo, Bo Magazine. Bo? Yeah. 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 Bo Magazine. Cool. Yeah. I um, anyway, just had uh, seen it like really recently. I think uh-huh. I, I was just scrolling through my... Um, information like this morning mm. see, oh Stephen I'm yeah. about to meet him later so um, this is for the article um, that's titled Me Too yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so I read it this morning do you, you mind talking a little no, about it no not at all not at all and then you talked a lot about um, forgiveness mm-hmm. but I think that was one of the themes that was in it mm-hmm. but um, it was beautifully written and, and you. you go into um, your childhood yeah and in your childhood um was a victim and this was an assault a sexual yes assault yes by a family member by a family member. yeah yeah mm-hmm. so what was a, a catalyst or what was the spark recently that's happened that you think got you to write come to write about this well um hmm uh, I mean, this was, and I, and I say this in the article, this literally was like 40 plus years ago. 40 years ago. So yeah. So, yeah. And Just, yeah. It's, when I think about it, it's insane that I've never talked about it. Like, I mean, I've literally, I could, there have probably only been three people in my life that I've ever talked about it to. Really? Yeah. yeah. And so, like, on one hand, I see, like, you know, I'm like this big teacher of uh, being authentic and... Um, there being strength in your vulnerability and you know the the cost of carrying shame the irony is not lost on me that this was something i had been carrying you know but i think that a lot of times though when when something like this happens to you and especially when it happens to you at like a really young age uh the only coping mechanism you have at that point is to kind of like squash it down and 
uh, so, you know, this was someone that I would continue to see, like, throughout my entire childhood, like, on holidays and, and stuff like that. And uh, then I had about, like, a 20-year period where I didn't see them anymore because my grandmother had died, and so I never went back there. So I never saw, like, you know, that part of my family for, like, 20 whole years. And then um, they came to visit my mother here in Charleston over the summer. And uh, my mom is like, you know, so-and-so's in town. Are you going to stop by and say hello? And I was like, sure. <laughs> but then I'm like, all, you know, all of his stuff was there. And, and, you know, and also with all of the stories going on with, you know, Weinstein and Roy Moore and all this other stuff. So it's like my first time seeing this person, this man, in like 20 years. And, you know, but it was interesting because, like, he's now an old man really he's older than me um and I was literally a kid I was like six or seven and it was intense and so I, I had to leave like I was like I realized I had to get out like so I was there like 10-15 minutes and I left and kind of started working through all my stuff and just started writing about it like at home like just started writing in my journal about it and um and I think the thing that pushed me over was, and again, at the risk of getting like too political, like this stuff going on in Alabama and like these women who this had happened to them when they were 14 uh, and they were now, you know, in their 30s or whatever. And the criticism that they were getting for not having come forward earlier. But the thing about it is, is that when this happens to you, like no one tells you what to do after. Like no one says like, okay, this is an appropriate amount of time. Like, if you don't say anything with this amount of time, then, you know, your feelings about it don't matter. And keeping in mind that these these were kids when this happened. They were 14, you know, and and I was six, and six, seven. And um, there's just that big sort of blanket of shame over you. And uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to write it and put it out in the world. <laughs> And, um, and it's been interesting because I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback in a very short amount of time. I've gotten a lot of like messages of, you know, people telling me their stories and, um, and stuff like that. And I think especially too, even in my community, the LGBT community, uh, it's not something we talk about a lot. And I think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of grownups had, a, had this happen to them as kids. Uh, so I don't know, maybe this is some new path on my teaching, maybe. I don't know. I haven't figured out how that's going to... Because I haven't actually taught a class since it came out. Really? Uh, yeah, and, I, and I'm doing that actually in a few hours. And like, there's a part of me that's a little nervous about... Because the thing is, like, I don't want this to be the thing that defines me. Or yeah, defines like what people like see me as. Do you know what I mean? Right. And, and I also get really uncomfortable with, like, you know, people trying to comfort me or whatever. I don't need comfort, first of all, but I want to get that clear. Uh, like, I'm not looking for comfort from this. I was just trying to get, you know, like, my, my truth out. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, a, I'm going to teach my first class tonight since it came out. And uh, there's a part of me that's a little nervous about what people are going to say or do that kind of thing I think it's just being your authentic self yeah and it's just completely. come out yeah but that theme of you said the forgiveness 
mm. forgiveness was mm-hmm. not for that person, right? Mm-hmm. But that forgiveness was for yourself. Right. Um, what is that concept like for you? How, where did that come from? Um, I think, you know, I, I, I came to this thing like a couple of years ago. I was having this... Um, sort of this uh, issue within a relationship and like and, I, and I, I, I came to realize that the relationship was over and and I and I had this I said this to a friend I was like you know but I, I still feel like I need closure and then I was meditating and I realized like yeah I just have to close my side of it like I don't because I feel like for the most part when we say we want closure for something what we really want is the other person to say yeah you were right I was wrong <laughs> you know, I'm validating your feelings Validation. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. completely so I was like okay I don't really need that like I don't need that from this person I just need to do that for myself like I just need again need to clean up my side of the fence um, so yeah and you know and forgiveness is not um, it's not condoning what happened uh, a, a friend and teacher of mine said you know you can forgive someone doesn't mean you have to meet them for coffee so yeah, so that's the thing. I think I was just like, okay, this doesn't have to, there doesn't have to be like this dramatic scene around it. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I forgive you. Yeah, I don't need a relationship with you. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and that article, which just came out, I mean, that's just, um, that's an exciting path to, to go on to next, you know, you yeah. go out and teach this next class. It's going to go awesome. And... Yeah, I, yeah, how I make this funny, I don't know. <laughs> right but you know you do it's amazing how you find that that humor mm-hmm. in, in in a lot of the challenging things and we can yeah yeah uh, the lgbtq community um you teach is it out out yoga out loud yoga out loud yeah is yeah. that a regroup uh it has been I, I i've kind of put it on pause uh for a minute because I, I i feel like i want to do something different with it okay um, but yeah, in the past it's been, uh, I am doing a fundraiser in January for, uh, the Ryan White, um, center here in Charleston. Uh, Tony Beard and I will teach a yoga class, uh, to raise money, uh, for them. Uh, so I've, I've mostly been doing it as fundraisers for different, uh, organizations around town and, um, also in like Asheville and, uh, Atlanta. But, um... Yeah, it's just basically everything that we've been talking about. The authentic, uh, the truth, all of that. Um, because there's a lot of, like I referred to earlier, there's a lot of, again, shame, uh, pain. Uh, and, you know, that I think people are looking for ways to, to work through. And, and I just try to present the tools that have helped me. You know, whether, they, whether you connect to them, that's, that's you. It's great if it does. So I'm just there to like say, hey, maybe you know, try this. Can't hurt, might help. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's that, and and I'm just trying to see like what I want that to be uh, in 2018. Like yeah. I think I might. Uh, I'm leaning towards like doing the like trying to do sort of like a weekend workshop kind of thing, out of town. Like maybe doing sort of like working different prides uh, over the summer and just doing like a workshop. So you got some it. goals and visions for the yeah. yoga out loud. Yeah, because I yeah I definitely think I need to take it outside of Charleston, and uh, yeah. It's a it's a smaller market. It can be challenging here, so you're looking yeah at more external. More external, and uh, yeah, and I just I, I want I want to share those tools on a bigger in a bigger sense. 
That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and on your, so your social media is, I want everyone to know, there once was a yogi. There once was a yogi. Yeah, and on your page, you got these hysterical little, <laughs> I used to do Photoshop. Oh, yeah? When it, like, back in the day when it was a fairly um, relevant newer program. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just so, like, easy now. You can like, do it on your phone now, yeah. Yeah, and I still love getting back into the, like, yeah. the program and yeah. like, switching headshots. So, well, so even your Instagram is like hilarious. Well, good, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had this conversation because uh, someone was asking me about that and like, like, what's the point of that? Like, how's that working with the yoga? And again, this is that Sunday class. It's just supposed to be like the sweaty, fun, good time. I said, well, you know, most of the time, it's it's a reflection on what's going on in pop culture, which is a reflection of what's going on in the world. And, and I said, you know, and I'm, I'm really kind of using it as a tool to, like, show the absurdity of some of the stuff that's happening. <laughs> like, like, this is absurd. Why are we focusing on this? So, you know, you see my face on, like, Taylor Swift. Like, you know, hopefully it takes some of that, like, seriousness out of it. I've not put my face on... I don't think I've put my face on Trump yet. Ooh. No, yeah, I know. I have, have I? Maybe I have. Um, I have put my face on Kellyanne Conway <laughs> and Sean Spicer. Yeah, I don't know that I've put my face on Trump yet. Okay. Yeah, we'll that's probably. I'm pro- I think I'm saving that for the impeachment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to I'm that. I'm saving that for the. Yeah, there's going to be a special impeachment class. Yeah. Well, you know, I did a class like. Uh, did I do it right after the election? I think it was my first Buster Asana after the election. And. Was this that Wednesday? This was Sunday. Okay. This was oh, Sunday. Sunday class. And so I made this playlist, and um, like I used a lot of songs from Hamilton. Like that one's like very sort of like the music. It's also very music oriented, so it tends to be a lot of pop music, rap, whatever. But I used a lot of Hamilton stuff in there. But I started that class with uh, the Whitney Houston version of Star Spangled Banner. I know you laugh. So I had everyone come to stand. Yeah. And you know, usually you know, you know, do the prayer hands at the heart. I had them place their hand over their heart, and I had them close their eyes before I even started playing it. And I said, I want everyone to keep their eyes closed throughout this entire first song. And so I started playing it, and it's you know the opening bars of Whitney, and people started laughing. And I said, No, don't laugh. Like, listen. And it, people were crying at the end of it because you forget. Like, oh, it actually makes me tear up a little bit. Um, you forget like what a beautiful song it kind of is in some regards and how sort of hopeful it is and you know because it was a young country at the time and people were full of like optimism and and now we're in this weird place (laughs) where there's not a lot of optimism and uh, but that was like a really powerful class like that was one of my like a few that I had done uh, that I was like, wow, this is this is interesting. This is an interesting experience, it's and to share it with, yeah, and to be in a place where you can share it with people that, you know, you don't really have a relationship with outside of like that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of powerful. Yeah, like that one, and I did a class like right after uh, the Orlando shooting, uh, literally the day after. Which was, which was one of the hardest classes I ever taught. Like, I think I actually cried a couple of times in it. Um, and I taught one after the Paris uh, um, massacre a few years ago. 
where I had like a moment of where I, like, I was like, wow, this is really, like, this is kind of meaningful. Like, I wasn't very flippant about it. Like, a lot of times I just kind of can brush things off and like, eh, it's just a yoga class. Yeah. But you have a collection of people that, for the most part, probably have a similar worldview or hope, maybe, for the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've got this brief little capsule of time of where you're bo- you're all holding like this energy and this vision. Yeah, individually, everyone has their own place, their space that they go back to after mm-hmm. like these really sad events. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think I agree with you, but with the yoga, like some of the hardest classes going into was like some of the next days. Yeah, and it's just. It's a little bit of suffering. Like, I feel like I suffer and I, I feel sad yeah. when um, I hear about you know Las Vegas or Orlando, right, right. These, these events. And there's no better word to just describe it as just like sad. Yeah. It's not depression. It's not like, I know this will pass. Yeah, just, exactly. In that moment, it's just such a sad feeling. And I think that's when you need the yoga. So I think so more. too. And I think, you know, uh, how long have you been like sort of in the yoga community? In Charleston? Or just in or general? just in general? Coming on my five years. Okay. So, like, I can remember when I first started teaching, um, people were a lot more sort of um, Pollyanna-ish. <laughs> like, no one really wanted to ever acknowledge when, like, bad feelings came up or bad things happened. But you're still having, like, this worldly experience. And yeah. so it's like, okay, well, how are you going to maneuver through this? And, you know, and pretending you're not sad is not the answer honoring that acknowledging acknowledging that and then being like okay like you just said this is going to pass and I think as teachers you know we give we give hopefully give our students like at least one tool to do that if it's like okay I'm just going to bend and twist and sweat or I'm just going to sit I'm just going to honor my breath I'm going to honor my feelings like whatever it is Um, you know what's the most primal way of looking at it I just think like emotions, like mm-hmm. there's like these bags, right? There's like water in us, totally. bones. Yeah. And like when I'm sad, it's just like, oh, it's just a chemical reaction yeah. of something that's yeah. telling me I'm sad. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't start every class with the stars. No. Your <laughs> and putting your hand over your heart. <laughs> I, I, assume, right? I have not done that since. <laughs> I, uh... But you do start, you mentioned your bio that every one of your classes, you do every class differently. Mm-hmm. Is that something you choose like to do? Um, hmm. No. Um, like I used to be a meticulous planner. Like I would write everything out. Uh, now, like sometimes I'll go in with like a general idea of like, oh, I want to thread these things together, and then it kind of just takes mold out after that. But a lot of times it's um, I just go in and I just kind of feel out the room. Right. Like I literally. It's like, okay, yeah. And I think this is great for teachers to hear, newer teachers more specifically, to, because um, when you're going into a class, you mm-hmm. might start kind of following a little bit more of your notes, your mm-hmm. scripts. Yeah. Did you start doing that when you... Oh, yeah. I have, <laughs> I have notebooks. I look at them now and I can't make head or tails out of them, like a class plan. Like, what the hell does that even mean? Like, why would I go from that to that? Um but yeah, like now it's uh, it's a it's a if there's a plan, it's a really loose plan because I've I've also learned like anytime I've planned a class down from first breath to last breath, I'll show up and it's like twenty people who've never done yoga before and it's like 
okay, I guess balance side angle may not happen today. <laughs> like, to quickly change. Right, yeah. and you have to just be willing to like kind of roll with the punches. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I'll like, I just kind of look around like in the, like I can usually tell within the first five or 10 minutes, like where the class is going to go. Cause I kind of like look at bodies. I look at like uh, energies and moods. And I'm like, oh, people are really tighten their shoulders today. And then I realize, okay, this is gonna be a big shoulder opening class or this is gonna be a big hip class. Um, so I just, yeah, I just kind of feel it out. But again, that takes, that takes time to develop that. You know, if I were still, like when I started teaching one class a week, I don't think I'd be at that point now, but you know, I teach sometimes 12 classes a week. And so yeah, you could push me into a room and be like, hey, teacher didn't show up, we need you to teach it. And I'd be like, all right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I still have moments where like, uh, I've taught at some events where I'm like, okay, I definitely have to have a plan. Like I cannot, I cannot wing it on this one. And so then I make a plan. I think that's great advice to, to anybody um, for newer teachers, mm -hmm. right? Like to just be open to being presented to just have yeah. a quick change of material. And I think also as a, as, as a new teacher, well, and even as a seasoned teacher, you have to stay interested. You have to stay interested. You have to stay curious. Uh, you have to stay open to learning like new ways of doing things. Like I've seen, you know, I've, I've been doing this long enough that I've seen triangle taught <laughs> pretend you're between two panes of glass to like okay maybe let this hip roll forward and maybe so you have to be willing to realize that yeah stuff changes we realize that certain poses are detrimental to certain bodies and you have to be willing to accept that and to change that so yeah you have to stay curious and you have to always be learning shit our bodies change yeah but the world change people don't believe that but yeah. that's so true like the people we are teaching like now did not have these bodies 15 years ago. Like now we are dealing with people that are like texting. texting. And if you shoulders. ever watch, yes, yeah. if you ever watch someone texting, like they are rounded forward, their chin's kind of like at this weird angle. Like people are carrying stuff in their neck and shoulders that they were not carrying 10, 15 years ago. Right, and yeah. texting or, or driving to Yeah, everyone is like, I have a friend who calls it the boiled shrimp look. Like they're just hunched over, they've got those, and, but I mean, you see it in down dog, you see that, that people can't like spread their thumbs anymore because they're like always doing this. But yeah, bodies have changed. I wonder historically from like coming from forces. I know. If we're in that similar position. What if we're devolving? <laughs> what if we're going back to <laughs> the, the reverse of the right? like we're going back to that hunched over shape yeah. I'm convinced language wise that we're going back to like clicks and whistles when we zoom out on these things we're going to see Trump somewhere in that timeline <laughs> and if we just see yeah we started to run right. back around there I mean yeah I mean, our vocabulary went down emojis are hieroglyphics yeah, so that that is pretty cool that we that uh, we can communicate like with emojis I know. and other I, languages. Listen, I suck at the emoji thing. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Daisy, sunshine, umbrella. Like, I what are you saying? That means meet me at Starbucks. <laughs> exactly. Like, an LOL, and or like we're going like twenty years. We're going to be all like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's convinced. all convinced. from Trump. <laughs> right? The resistance will have its own language. Yeah. 
you got your little like personal practice you mentioned in there. Uh-huh. Do you have any morning ritual? Yeah, like yeah. Um, I'm not a morning person, first of all. Even more better here. <laughs> what you do? Yeah. And um, I used to think I had to have like this, like, you know, 30, 45 minute hour practice or whatever. So the one thing I, I, like my yoga practice may not always happen in the morning. Like sometimes it's more, like might be later in the afternoon because I also tend to be really kind of stiff in the morning. But my morning practice is uh, like I wake up, (laughs) I go to the bathroom, I brush my teeth, then I go back and I, I have my little space in my room in front of like this little like altar I've created over the years. Uh, I pray. I always do a prayer of gratitude. Um, I, like I said, I'm a, a student of the Course in Miracles, so I do the workbook exercise for that day, and then um, I meditate. Might be five minutes, might be twenty minutes, uh, and I always end. There's a prayer from uh, Course in Miracles, and I, I, I try to. I say it every morning, but I try to say it also throughout the day. Of uh, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom? Because I realized, like, I, I just, I want to be of service. And so I realized that that can happen in any moment. That can either happen with me teaching a class at noon, or it can happen in an in interaction with a barista uh, at a traffic light, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's my daily practice. That's awesome. Yeah. You feel it works? I hope so. I hope no one's like listening but like no he's actually an asshole and like, <laughs> he cut me off like at the bridge <laughs> no. but I think prayer is a powerful yeah thing, right yeah and to start your day with that mm-hmm. and that's routinely that's I mean that's amazing mm-hmm. and um, yeah so that's the main practice yeah yeah do you have any books that you like to share or one that is uh, maybe a yoga related one and one that's maybe Oh yeah. Let's see. Uh, I guess the yoga one, even though it's a more recent one, it's not. Well, no, I guess there's two yoga ones that I'll share. One, it continues to be a book I go back to time and time again. Eric Schiffman, uh, moving towards stillness. Um, it's so much great information on asana and meditation. Uh, he has such a like lovely demeanor and attitude about teaching like he's not like stringent or anything so Eric Shipman Uh, also there's one I think this is I think most people should add this into their like teacher training programs Richard Rosen yoga FAQs frequently asked questions covers like all of it covers pranayama you know text philosophy it's like a very bite-sized morsels um yeah, so those would be my two yoga books, and then I'm going to pick two uh, non-official, non-yoga books. Uh, Marianne Williamson, Return to Love, and uh, Byron Katie, Loving What Is. Uh, that's been a huge um, influence on me, more like in my life, because uh, it, the, sort of the philosophy of it is, is we create our unhappiness by arguing with the reality of what is in any situation i.e. the reality is Trump is president. But, and I just make my own unhappiness by being angry at that fact rather than just like, okay, he's president right now. <laughs> so yeah. We all need that practice. We all need that practice. 
So yeah, those would be my two cool. I would recommend. Do you have any documentaries? I'm a big fan of any. Mm, yeah, let's see. There's a few. Uh, I love that documentary, Happy. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. I love Happy. It's a good one. I think that's on Netflix. It's on, I think it is. And um, what is the other, is it I Am? The, the film director has the bike accident, like reevaluates his life. I and think it is I Jim Am. Carrey? Yeah. Yeah. That one I think is really good. Um, there's one, I don't know if it's streaming now, but there's one called um, Ashtanga New York that is about uh, Patavi Joyce's visit to New York right Around during 9-11. 9-11. Yeah. 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 That one's amazing. So I remember seeing that. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to revisit. Is that a Yeah, I just rewatched it. New York? It's up, that's yeah. online? I just rewatched it. Actually, I have it on DVD. Awesome. <laughs> Shoot me a message. I'll leave you But um, I just rewatched it because I was like going through some stuff and I was like, oh, I forgot I had this. But he... I think he started his visit like right before 9-11 and then they just continued the workshop through 9-11 so you see like people you know working through this stuff with yoga as their like as sort of their tool or their conduit I think it's a great uh, example of um, of the power of what this stuff can do Buddha Brothers is also a really good one have you ever seen that one? no Buddha Brothers yeah it's about a mindfulness program in a prison yeah, very worth checking out. A lot of times, too, Yvonne, what's that? Uh, Gaia, um, uh, the app, uh, it's like 10 bucks a month, I think. They have tons of great documentaries. And I think that's where I saw that one, The Buddha Brothers. Yeah. And with the Ashtanga one, too, for a lot of people yeah. who don't know, um, he is, like, big. He's a huge leader yeah. in the Ashtanga movement. And he during that time in New York, you know, the Twin Towers mm-hmm. and all this stuff happened, um, at the end of every Ashtanga class now, there's a mantra that they close the class with, and that was one, a mantra that he wrote during that time oh, wow. when he was in New York City, and uh, I can't remember the quote, what, you can look at the closing oh, yeah, uh, yeah. script, but it was about all just sending peace into the world. Mm, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Cindy Lee, uh, my friend in... Uh, teacher used to do uh, she was a yoga teacher for many years and owned a yoga, couple of yoga studios now she's a Buddhist chaplain but she used to end with a dedication of merit um, I, again my memory is not what it used to be uh, may all beings have happiness in the causes of happiness may all beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering uh, may all beings never be parted from freedom's true equanimity there's a couple of other lines but yeah I I love that too yeah yeah I've I've taken to ending my classes um, like I used to do the whole like I'm I'm currently in a no ohm phase I'm not oming in your classes Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say at the end you know I have everyone like you know take a deep breath and I'm like you know uh, may you retain anything that was helpful or of service and on the exhale, let the rest of it go. Mm. Yeah. That's important. Breathing. Mm-hmm. You gotta do it to do yoga. You gotta do it. You gotta do it for anything. Breathing. <laughs> <out>. I find. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephen, do you have any last words? And maybe these last words can be to inspire people. Maybe it can be something that you can write big on a billboard for everyone to oh, see. Oh, wow. Be. Let's see. Um... You know, I think that just my 
my battle cry, I guess, has sort of turned into just, you know, maybe true to yourself. Like, you know, always, always stand and speak your truth. Whatever that is. Your truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. I dig it, man. And listen, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. And thank you for making people laugh and doing yoga for oh, all. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I'll try to keep doing that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. There it is, you guys. Episode 13 with Stephen Willard. Thank you for tuning into this episode. And thank you to my guest, Stephen, for this podcast. Sharing your feedback on iTunes means so much. And if you want to connect, Yoga with Joe is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So you can follow, you can comment, and like any of those pages. Thank you guys, and namaste.